Hey guys, welcome this morning to Grace Church Ellet Online Services. My name is Pastor Aaron. If I haven't met you before, super glad you could join us. Wanted to let you know about a couple of things here as we get started this morning. First is, if you're not following us on social media, that's one of the great ways to keep up with us as we can't meet together right now. So if you have Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you can find us on there. Also, you can go to our website at ellet.gracechurches.org, and you can even download our app by searching Grace Ohio in the app store. So tons of great ways to stay connected with us and kind of keep up with what's going on. Also, if you're looking at online giving, if you've been wondering how to do that during this time, uh, you can do that through the website or the app if you get connected there. Um, And we would love to have you do that. Thank you for being faithful and doing that even during this time. Uh, We really appreciate that. Um, The last thing I want to let you know about is if you need something, if you need to talk to us and with us not being in person, uh, that connection card is still available on the app. Uh, You can contact us through all our social media. Um, On our website, there's contact info. But we still want to hear from you uh, and care for you guys how we can in this time. But uh, again, guys, so glad you're here with us this morning. You may have noticed that we're sitting around instruments right now. And this is really exciting because one of the things we haven't been able to bring to you yet is a worship experience. Uh, So we're going to do that this morning. So I'm here with Jordan and Wendy, and uh, we're really excited to worship with you guys this morning. So why don't you join us in our first song? Thank you. 
Thanks so much for tuning in today. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church. And just want to say thanks so much for uh, just giving us your attention here for a little bit and uh, excited to walk us into some conversations we've been having over the last handful of weeks. Uh, Before we do that, though, I want to remind you that this coming week is Holy Week. And I know it kind of snuck up on all of us, at least it did me, uh, as well as things are kind of progressing towards Good Friday and Easter. And I just want to let you know that This coming Good Friday, of course, we're going to be able to do things a little bit differently than we have in the past. And we're going to put together a little experience for yourself or for your family. And so stay tuned for that. Check us out on Facebook. Watch your email. Come to our website. And make sure to stay tuned in to some continued conversations about how we're going to do that this year. And, uh, of course, Easter will be online, just like this service is right now. And so make sure to tune into that as well. And then we've been in the last uh, handful of weeks here since we've been kind of in the middle of uh, this this crisis, the situation that we're in right now, we've been kind of talking to that as it's been a hard handful of weeks and a hard handful of days even this week. And uh, we've been talking to issues of faith and fear and responsibility. And we've kind of had a series of conversations all around uh, those items and those topics. And so if you missed any of those, you can catch up online if you want to. Uh, You can do that, of course, on our website or Facebook page, YouTube page, uh, or catch us anywhere uh, like that to get caught up. And what we've been saying, though, is we've really been looking at a a situation like we're in right now uh, that is definitely over our heads. Uh, No one knows exactly how it's all going to play out. And so that creates a bunch of fear in us, and it, it creates some question marks of how do we live, how do we respond, how am I supposed to think about this? The information is changing uh, literally every day, day to day, as we can continue to kind of learn more about uh, the virus and the situation that we're in. We're all kind of thrown back and forth on how to respond to it. And so we've been asking the question, how do we navigate that? Uh, how do we navigate that emotionally? How do we navigate that from a faith perspective? How do we be people of faith in the middle of a situation like this? And kind of what is our larger responsibility? Uh, what, what can I take responsibility and take ownership for? And what is really not mine to own at all? And so there's, those are some of the conversations and the things that we've been looking at together. And uh, last weekend what we did is we spent some time really looking at the reality of this, we said this is really what the Bible calls a trial. And so we said, how does the Bible talk about trials and what, 
what is God doing in the midst and kind of in and around a trial? Why would he allow a trial to exist in our world and in our personal lives? And we kind of took a look at that. And so if you missed that one, catch up for sure. And I want to continue down that road of thought today and uh, really look at the, the, kind of the reality of how do I navigate, not just seeing that God's doing something through that trial, how do I get through it? And how do I operate in it? And uh, one of the things that came to my mind as I was kind of thinking and uh, just kind of managing my own life and, and trying to live personally, uh, I thought about this phenomenal quote that shows up uh, from C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite quotes from him. I love uh, C.S. Lewis, he said a lot of brilliant things. And here's one of them, though, that stuck out to me. I thought I'd share it with you as I've uh, shared it before. It's phenomenal. He, he says this. He says, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. It's amazing. He says, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. And isn't that true? That, that in life, we can have all kinds of loads, and sometimes those loads feel overwhelming, but based on how I carry that load is going to be the determining factor uh, whether or not that thing kind of breaks me or not. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, not that long ago, about a year ago, we had a huge tree fall in our yard. Uh, we got a bunch of trees and some woods attached to our yard, and when this tree came down, it was massive, and I cut it up, got to use my chainsaw, which I was excited about that, and had all these logs just kind of filling up this chunk of my yard. And I, I knew that I needed to move all these huge, massive logs uh, from one side of my yard kind of to the other side of my yard. And I thought, how am I going to get all these from kind of one spot to the other? And so what I did was, I don't know, probably what any of us would do. I, I grabbed a wheelbarrow and, you know, I started kind of picking these massive logs up one at a time. And I would put them in the wheelbarrow. And then I would take my wheelbarrow and I would kind of walk it up the hill. And it was up the steep hill. And then I would unload these big logs into this big pile where I was making my big stack of wood. And I was excited about that stack growing. But... But all that to say, I would, I would kept going back and forth, back down the hill with the wheelbarrow, get another load. And I did that for probably a half an hour or so. And man, after I was totally soaked in sweat and my back hurts, and I'm looking at this thing, I've probably done about a 20th of the work. I thought to myself, man, there's got to be a better way. I said, there's no way I'm going to have the energy, uh, the strength of back, I'm going to be dehydrated, exhausted, and, and, and there's no way I could even finish this job uh, anytime soon. There's got to be a better way to move all this, a better way to carry this load. And then I remembered something. When I bought my house, I remember I found this, uh, this little bucket that was kind of back by the shed that we have. And I got a riding lawnmower, and I figured out that if I attach this bucket to my riding lawnmower, I could wheel and kind of push the logs into this bucket, right? It's massive. It's got a big wheel on it attached to the back of my mower. And I could drive my mower with the bucket full of these logs and I just drive right up the hill. And I thought to myself, this is amazing. I, I still got to get the log into the bucket. I still have got to do that part. I still have some work to do and kind of going through the motions, but I can handle this load if I carry it kind of a different way. And, and that was super helpful for me. And that's how it is, I think, for us right now, guys. I think there's an enormous load on us. Uh, for most of us, if you're anything like me, I already had a big load kind of coming into this, this season. Uh, we already had a ton of responsibility. We already felt a little bit maxed out. 
and now we're into a new season where there's a bunch of change, a bunch of us are out of work, a bunch of us are overworked, all of us have a little bit of uh, nervousness about, are we going to get this thing or not? Is it going to pass anytime soon? Keeping the kids sane at home, figuring out their school schedules, uh, trying, trying to kind of keep them busy and focused and encouraged. And all of that is playing out. And now we have this load that feels like it is just expanding on top of us. And if you're anything like me, you're asking yourself, how am I going to carry this thing? How, how do I continue to bear the weight of this load. And that's the question we want to explore today uh, because something that's, I think, really unique about the people of God is the people of God are somehow, throughout history, they have always been able to bear an enormous load. No matter what circumstance throws at them, uh, no matter what life throws, somehow the people of God are able to adjust and carry it differently. And that's what we want to explore today and look into, and I think draw some courage, uh, some encouragement from it, and some faith from it, and, and see, man, can I, can I do this a little bit differently? Can I carry the load in a way that maybe I haven't yet, or maybe haven't doubled down on enough, and I might need to during this time? And so that's what we're going to look at today, is that we're going to take a look at how a, a, an individual in the Bible did this, and I think he did it really, really well. And uh, that's going to be a David. A guy's name is David. And a David was a warrior. He was kind of a general of an army. So he's kind of a, a man's man. He led a lot of men and led them to incredible feats. Uh, it was courageous in that way. And he was also a, a political leader. He was a king, right? So he had a lot of responsibility and it carried a lot of responsibility that way as well. And so King David is a guy that uh, would have done all kinds of things and would have led all kinds of people. And one of the things he did is he carried that responsibility and as he carried that weight of leadership and of life and kind of influencing other people and carried all, right, all the associated anxiety and the, the emotions of all of that. One of the things that David would do is he would sit down and he would write some songs about where he was and kind of th those songs would reflect his interactions with God. And we would call those songs today in the Bible, Psalms, right? The book of Psalms. Most of us would have heard of the book of Psalms. And it's probably the, the largest book in the Bible. It's filled with these songs that are written uh, by a handful of different authors. Uh, one of them is David, and he, he wrote a whole bunch of the Psalms. And he's going to be a guy that really was able to express where he was and handle the weight of leadership and emotion and fear all through kind of a different lens that I think is a little bit foreign to us if we're not used to it. So what I want us to do today is kind of walk through one of these songs together. We're going to look at a psalm and kind of see it in depth and watch how David expresses himself to God and how he's able to draw strength from that relationship and how he's able to uh, kind of bear the weight that way through it. So let's dive into it. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 86, Psalm 86, and uh, we're going to be there, kind of set up shop there the whole time. Uh, if you just want to read along, and we're going to look at that on the screen here in a second. And Psalm 86 is where we're going to set up shop. 
in the backdrop to where David is in the midst of this psalm is David is being chased down by a, a group of enemies that are actually threatening his life. So you got to think about, he, he's taking the time to process and to go to God when his life is at risk. He feels unsafe, and he's feeling an incredible amount of need around that. And that, that's kind of the context and the setup of Psalm 86. So let's read it together and let's see kind of how it begins. Here's what he says. He starts off in Psalm 86, verse 1. He says, Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. I just want to pause there even before we go any further. He says, Hear me, Lord, answer me, for I am poor and needy. Uh, maybe an important thing for us to remember is this. While, while David says, I am poor and needy, the reality is from all human standards, he was neither of those things. Uh, he had all the money he could ever have wanted. Uh, he had all the influence and power members a king. So he's got lots of resource to him. And yet at this point in his life, he would have said, I am poor and needy. And that's because David could not fulfill his own needs. He was looking for some help and some power that was beyond what he had access to. So from his perspective, he says, hear me, Lord. I need you. I'm poor and I'm needy. He goes on, he says, guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. He says, you are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I called you all day long. Pause there for a minute. I love that David does this. Right away, he, he, he cries out to God and says, God, guard my life. Uh, my life is at risk. He's praying for his own physical safety. And I'm sure that certainly at different times he probably would have prayed for the safety of others. But he says, God, you're able to do that. I can't protect my life. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't know how I can protect myself physically, but you can. He says, guard my life for I'm faithful to you. He says, save me, have mercy on me. And I love this phrase right here. He says, for I called you all day long. Uh, for David, the, the bearing of this, this weight and the situation that he's in wasn't something that just happened sometimes. He didn't just go to church sometimes and say, hey, God, help me out. He says, we're in, a, in an ongoing conversation. You know that I'm running to you on a regular basis, God. I'm calling to you all day long, right? Kind of like a needy child. If you're, if you're kind of at home with kids right now, little ones, um, I hear the, the words mom or dad coming out of my kids' mouths all the time. And that has been true for a long time, right? So you, you hear that, mom, dad, help me, help me, I need you. And that's kind of where David is, almost like a little child. He's coming to God and saying, God, I need you. I'm coming to you. Help me. You are my witness that I, that I run to you over and over again. I love that he says this. He says, bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. He's in the middle of running for his life. And what he asked God for, guard my life, hear me, right? And then he says, bring joy to me. Another translation would say it this way, gladden my soul. God, would, would you make, would you bring joy on the inside for me? Make my soul have some joy right now because I am leveraged out and I completely depend on you, God. Like I'm all in for you. I'm not putting my trust anywhere else. I trust in you. You, I am 
poor and needy, right? How we might think of this right now is we might say, man, I'm, Lord, I'm poor and needy. Uh, I'm out of gas. If you're anything like me, you ran out of gas at least once this week where you thought, man, I don't know how long I can do this thing. How, how long can we be all cramped together and I can't have access to do the things I want to do and we're all a little bit overwhelmed right now? We are poor and needy. We are feeling that right now. And we might look to God and say, God, bring me joy. Help me to be gladdened on the inside that my soul could kind of rejoice in you and find a joy that I can't find on my own, that maybe circumstances that I would have normally run to to find joy or temporary happiness, those are all eliminated right now. So help me to, to look up and to find joy in who you are because you're the one that I put my trust in. I love that. And then what he's going to do here in the next handful of verses is he's going to talk about who God is, right? And, and why he's able to put his trust in him. Remember, this is all in the context of, of David bearing weight, carrying the load. How does he do that? He runs to God. He puts his requests in front of God. He lays his heart out in front of God. And then he allows himself to kind of see God for who he is. Here's the next section here in 5 through 7. He says, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. You are forgiving and good. And if you're somebody maybe that grew up in church or uh, maybe you, you had some church experience a long time ago or maybe you have friends who did and you would, you would have heard about the God of the Old Testament and maybe you heard about God being vindictive or harsh. I just want you to see this, that that, that is the exact opposite kind of what, what David is saying here. David is saying, God, you, you are a forgiving and a good God. You are abounding in love, right? To anybody who's going to call on you, literally, you're overflowing. You have abundance of love ready to be poured out to absolutely anybody who looks to you. What an amazing promise that David's referring to. He says, you're forgiving. In other words, anybody, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no, no matter what guilt that you might have, the Bible would say that, that God is forgiving, that he's eager, and another translation says, ready to forgive. God is eager and ready to forgive that. He's good, even in the midst of a difficult situation. David's about to potentially lose his life. He's, he's on the run, he's fearful, and yet he's able to land in a place to say, God, you are a good God. Even though fe things don't feel good right now, you are good. You are forgiving towards me. And man, anybody who might call on you, to them you are abounding in love. Right? You, you are with open arms, looking for somebody who might be reaching out to call to you. What an amazing truth that that is who God is. And maybe you're listening today and you're tuned in and, and, and you might be somebody who's been far away from God, uh, disconnected from the things of God, disconnected from church or from your faith maybe that you had as a kid or maybe you're like me and you had no faith background at all. To hear and to know in the middle of maybe a stressful situation where you're feeling overwhelmed to know that there's a God who loves you that he cares for you, that he's eager to forgive you no matter where you've been or what you've done, and that he is someone who's good and you can trust him. What an amazing and a refreshing truth that that's who our God is.
He's, he's not looking to punish you or to, to get something from you. He is loving, abounding in love, David would say. He goes on. He says, hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you, hear this, because you answer me. When I'm in distress, I call to you because you answer me. In the human experience, all of us are going to get into a point where we are in distress. We are overwhelmed. When the demands of life, when the load of life becomes more than we can carry, it's above kind of our line of tolerance that we can handle. And David's going to say, when I hit that point, I don't run to other things. I run to you. Why? Because you're the one that answers me. You, you have the ability and the power to do something about the things that I'm distressed about. I actually appeal, right, not just to secondary sources of power. I'm not going to just run to the government or run to science or run to... I'm going to go all the way to the top authority. And I'm going to plead my case to you. And God, certainly you might use those other pieces of society to bring help and to bring encouragement into my life. But God, ultimately, my hope's not in anything but you. I'm running to you with my distress. When life comes up and kind of gets, gets us by the throat a little bit, like David, we could run to him and call to him. He hears us. He listens to our cry for mercy, and he answers us. doesn't mean that he always gives us what we want. That's not the point. But he is our God in the midst of our distress. I love where he takes it from here. He's going to talk more about who this God is. He says, among the gods, there's none like you. He says, no deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. For you alone are God. He kind of says this, I run to you when I'm in my distress. You answer me when I call. Why? Because you are the, you are the God that is, is not worthy to be compared to anything else. Right? You, you are so far above any other power that exists. Your, your deeds are marvelous. You're the one that created everything. You're the one that raised Jesus from the dead. You're the one that split the Red Sea. You're the one that supernaturally preserved your word. You're the one that sustains our lives by your very thoughts. You alone are God. Where else am I going to go? I'm going to run to you when I feel like this is all I can bear and it's all I can take. Who else am I going to go to? I run to you, Lord. And isn't this the case? When we are in trouble, when we feel like we're in trouble, we don't actually want like a self-help tip. We, we don't just want some like decent advice. I don't want somebody to tell me, hey, Ryan, you know, if you shift the logs in the wheelbarrow a little bit, that it's a little bit easier to push up that hill. I need a completely different way. I need more power than I have available to me right now. I need something that's beyond me. I need, I need more than science. I need more than, than a government answer. I need more, more than some comforting words. I need a God in the middle of this. Guys, that's, that's why every time, if you've ever been in a place where you were 
in a great deal of danger and you thought, man, this might be the end of me. Maybe you were in an accident or, or something tragic or scary was happening. In those moments when our lives are at risk, all of us, whether we say we have faith or not, call out to God. God, help me. God, save me. God, rescue me. God, I'll, I'll do anything. Just, just, just help me out of this. And instinctively, it comes from within that, that we just cry out to God, to the, the highest power that we can think of, who is a real person, a real God. And guys, I would, I would argue and I would say that we need that. I need to have a God that I know that is more powerful than a virus. I need to know that there's a God who can give me the energy and the sanity and the endurance to make it through a difficult season. I need it. I need a God. I need a God that is bigger and stronger and beyond me, not a God that I can manipulate and make me have my own way, but a God that is truly all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, and that God knows me and sees me and cares for me and is always near. I need to know that. I need to cling to him in the middle of this. That's what David needed. A man who was loaded with power and resources would look and say, I got to appeal to something much higher than anything I could find on the, on the earth. I need a God. I need that, and I think you do as well. He goes on. Next set of verses, he kind of shifts his tone. What he says is, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. And I just want to pause there. We'll go through the rest of the passage in a minute. He, he says, teach me your way. And here, kind of the heart of that is David is saying, listen, God, I want you to instruct me on how to live. Teach me your way, Lord. Right? Teach me your way, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Another translation of this would say this way, that, that I may walk in your truth. All the verses before this, David has been saying, God, save me from the stuff out here. Save me from the bad guys. Save me from the circumstance that I'm in. And now, once he sees who God is, that he, is, he alone is God, that no one's to be compared to him, he shifts gears and he, he doesn't just ask to be saved from the stuff out there. He shifts and says, God, I, I want you really to save me from the stuff in here. I need you to teach me your way. I, I don't want my way. I'm not, I'm not asking you to make my way happen. I'm not asking you to, to de deliver me and make it all okay and make my life easy. He's not requesting any of that at this point. What he's saying is, I, I need to learn from you, God. I want to walk in your truth. I need you to save me from me. Save me from them. Save me from that. And save me from me. He goes on. He says, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. At the end of the day, the only thing that's truly worth fearing is God himself. And when we say fear, we don't mean being afraid of him, but a, but a healthy reverence that God holds my life in his hands, that he alone has the power to uphold me or to allow me to be destroyed, right? He is God. It's who he is. So I fear him. I revere him. And he, what he requests from God is he doesn't just look and say, God, I want you to to, to give me everything that I want, to make my life easy, to make my life comfortable. 
He looks at me and says, God, I want you to give me an undivided heart. I want you to, to make my heart wholly yours. And while, while at least this is true for me, while, while all of us struggle with this, well, 60% or 75% or 50% of our heart maybe wants what we want. And there's a portion that wants to love God. What David prayed is, I want all of that to line up here. I want all of my heart to be after you. And anything I would do in this life, any pursuit that I would go after, anything that's good that happens in, in my life or my lifetime, I want that to bring honor and glory and praise to you. Give me an undivided heart. Unify my heart so that it's not running in separate directions. I want to be a person that's all in, all after God, focused on your heart and your mind. And then he goes on, he says, he, says, uh, he kind of makes a commitment. He says, I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. He recognizes and says, God, I want you to give me a heart, give me an undivided heart, and I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to commit to being all in with you. I'm going to meet you there, recognizing really it's your power that'll keep my heart there. And then he recognizes, God, you're the one that sustained my life so far. The fact that I'm breathing today is something I should praise you for. And the fact that I continue to be rescued from the depths, from death, from the realm of the dead. Thank you, God. That was your work. You were able to do that. Praise you for who you are. He goes from there and he, he talks a little bit about his enemies after this. And then he lands in this place where he says, but you, Lord, love this quote, you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me, he says. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength on behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. It's fascinating Statement as he looks at who God is, God, you're abounding in love, you're compassionate, you're slow to anger. It's who you are. And God, you're, you're not just some force out there. You're, you're not just a, a, an entity that represents a religion. You're not just positive thinking. You're not just some feel-good practices. You, you're, you're, not, you're not the God that is harsh and vindictive. You are my God who loves me, and God, I need you to turn to me. I need you to walk close with me, day in and day out. Remember, this is a warrior. This is a king. This is a man's man. And in desperation, he's saying, I need a God. I need a God who can help me get through this. Turn to me, Lord. Like it says in the book of James, we draw near to God and he will draw near to us. David is drawing near to his God and he's requesting, saying, I need you to draw near back to me. Turn to me. Save me. Have mercy on me, God. We need this. I need this. I need to know that God is not far off. He's not distant. He is here. And he is with me. 
and he is with you. And no matter where you've been, if you've been disconnected from him, in inviting him to turn to you, to, to come back, to draw near, God is right there eager and waiting to receive us. What an amazing truth. That's who our God is. That he's the one that has the power to carry us through with all of our load through this life. I love where he lands here in this psalm. He says, give me a sign of your goodness. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame for you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. He says, as I'm fighting for my life, trying to escape from, from all of the terrors that surround me and the anxiety that fills me, right, and the overwhelming thoughts of how am I going to get out of this and how we're going to make it through this, he says, in the midst of all that, God, I know that you're good. He just told us that, right? He says, I know that you're good, but give me a sign of your goodness. Remind me, Lord, show me. And I think this is something that we can do. We, we want to look for glimpses of God's goodness. We want to look for glimpses of God's goodness. As I see my life and my world and my situation, I want to look for for little signs and signals of, of the goodness of God, the provision of God. I want to think about that. I want to dwell on that. I want to land on that. God, just remind me, as an act of mercy, show me that you're still with me, that you haven't left me or forsaken me, and, and just help me to remember that you're a good God that I can trust with all of my heart and all of my soul. Guys, this is, this whole section here that we just walked through is an example, I think, of how David tried to live. I think it's the way that David tried to manage the weight of life. And I think it helped him to carry a much greater load than many of us could ever imagine. You know, this is, this is Palm Sunday, the, the weekend that we typically would spend remembering Jesus entering into Jerusalem. He would have rode in on a donkey and all those crowds would celebrate and, and be excited thinking that their king was showing up. And ironically, he was, but he would do that much differently. And all the while, Jesus would have walked in, ridden in on that donkey, knowing that no one fully understood what he understood. Never fully understanding that, that he was going to have to be betrayed and rejected and abandoned even by some of his closest friends, his disciples, many of them would, would scatter and he would have to face a death on a cross. And Jesus rode in to that, that crowd of people on that donkey with all that weight on his shoulders. What I find fascinating, I find convicting and I, honestly, I'm not always quite sure what to do with it, is that Jesus, who would die for my sins, would live a lot like David did, even though he's God himself. He would habitually make it his practice to run to his father in the same kind of ways that David would run to him. In desperation, 
He would, he would make it his practice to, to go spend time searching after and seeking and, and transferring the weight from himself to God the Father. And I believe he knew, because he's God, that that's the only way we can actually operate and not have the load break us down. Because here's the thing, right? We can use the wheelbarrow. We can carry it that way if we want to. It's available. It's fine. We also can appeal to a different way, a way that has far more power, can accomplish far more than we could ever imagine, and actually allows us to bear the weight of life in a way that kind of helps us live through it and and makes us sane on the way. Guys, I don't know, but personally, I think that this is what God has been teaching me and he continues to teach me over and over again. At least this is the season I'm in and I feel like I'm starting over, right? I feel, feel like I'm at the very beginning of learning this. I wish I could look at you and tell you, man, I got this thing licked. I've got this down. I don't. Um, th- this week, multiple times, I would say at least three days that I can think of I had to stop in the middle of the day because I felt overwhelmed. I got a family member that got a tough diagnosis this week over the last few weeks. That's registering for me. I'm thinking about where we are. We're we're all cooped up together, which I'm I'm grateful for and sometimes overwhelmed by. Just like you. And and I, I had to stop in the middle of that and I had to close my door and get in my room and I had to say, God, I need some help here. I need you. I'm feeling like the weight's a little bit too much right now. And here's the thing. Here's what I'm learning. I'm I'm a little embarrassed that I have to have my back hurt and be exhausted and be sweaty to realize that the wheelbarrow isn't the way to go. It it usually takes me far too long and I'm far too late to say, you know what? I I could just start my day and start carrying the load by doing it this way. I could just bring my requests and my burdens to God from the very beginning. I don't have to wait until the weight is crushing me to reach out. Because that same God who's available to me in the crisis and available to me when the weight is crushing me, he's the same God who's available to me every single day in the absolutely amazing times. And also, of course, the times of despair. But regardless, he is there. I don't know about you, man. I want to live more how David lived and more how Jesus lived and learning how to carry the load differently, to make it through the trials and the everydayness of life differently by picking up a different way, by leaning into God in a way that is real, practical and profound, finding real help here in my time of need minute we're gonna we're gonna sing and worship together 
And I would just encourage you just, just to reach out to God and ask him to build this kind of into our lives, into our hearts, into our rhythms, and make this a part of who we are, how we operate, how we carry the load together. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to say thank you God, that you are a God that is far above me. God, Lord, your ways are so much higher than mine. Your thoughts are far more than mine. And Lord, you're the only one who can help me in my time of need, truly. You give me what I can, cannot produce on myself, a peace that surpasses understanding, a love that is supernatural and others focused. Or do you give me the strength and the courage that I need to get through the days? And God, I just confess to you that often I just try to manage it on my own and muscle through. Lord, save me from that. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. God, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. God, change me. Change us to be people that seek your face with all that we have. Lord, would you help us with this? Would you make us different? Lord, meet us here, even now. It's in Christ we pray.
Lord, we, uh, we want to build our life on your foundation, um, especially in times now that are uh, not as certain. Lord, we want to look to you. Uh, we want to build our life on what is certain. God, we know that as times change, circumstances change around us, God, you do not change. You're the same now and forever. So God, we praise you for that. God, we pray that you would help to lead us um, and our families during this time, that we would draw near to you. God, we know that if we uh, do that, you are faithful to draw near to us as well. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. And uh, God, we thank you for the hope uh, that we find in you. Amen.
Well, thanks, guys. It was great worshiping with you this week. We love you. Take care, everybody.